Welcome to Paranormal Fables, the podcast where we use inspiration from traditional folklore, urban legends, and ghost stories to create our own campfire tales. In this episode, we'll be taking inspiration from ghosts in order to try and creep each other out. As you may be aware, the definition of a ghost is the spirit of a dead person, sometimes represented as a pale, almost transparent image of that person that some people believe appears to people who are alive. I think it makes sense to start our podcast on about uh, ghosts, don't you? Yeah, well, ghosts are the most what, common story told around the campfire. You know, you've got your classic ghost stories. There are a whole series dedicated to ghosts, and something well, that people are just so aware of, and it's so such a human thing that people can easily relate to. Yeah, it's like it's embedded within our psyche now that whenever you are at a campfire, you're going to hear some ghost stories. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the person telling you about maybe a creepy graveyard or a, a little girl. Or a haunted house. A haunted house. Or even just like what well, you know, in a hospital as well. There's, there's ghost stories about So many spooky areas that, you know, it's almost the default myth. Oh, it's the default folklore, to be fair. Like, mm. it goes back, what, centuries. You've got occultists looking into ghost stories. Well, not ghosts, but ghosts themselves. Mm. And I feel like that works really well in the modern day when you're looking for a bit of fright. It's a classic. It's a classic. So I feel like that's the best way for us to start off this podcast is us doing ghost stories. Right. Well, you've got me excited anyway. So I've got the first one up. This is the first podcast story that we're going to do. Uh, and it is called The Little Boy at the End of the Lane. Fantastic. Wow. Are you looking forward to it? Absolutely. Get started. I first saw the boy on a gloomy grey evening as the sun was just setting behind the hedgerows of the countryside lane. Visible out of the rather quaint windows of the renovated farm cottage my father had purchased six months prior. The months of autumn had just started and the crumpled brown leaves from the crooked old trees covered the drive and country lane. The leaves slowly blowing in the wind which became steadily stronger with each passing minute. The boy, about five or six, was standing in the middle of the end of the drive, dressed in a rather scruffy Sunday best, his off-white shirt scuffed and creased below the dark brown smart tweed waistcoat. His trousers, tattered and covered in mud, were tucked into his knee-length socks, which in turn were tied inside his sodden shoes. The boy was pale, as if his skin was snow. His eyes and lips, however, were as dark and blue as the depths of the ocean, his clothes the only contrast of colour. He stared at me, the boy, with his cheerless, melancholy look which delved deep inside my existence. Concerned, I moved away from the window and down the warm carpeted stairs towards the front door, looking out of the side door window to the boy who was still there, only now staring at me. Out of concern for the boy, I opened the door and was met with the damp cold air, the clouds starting to release the tiny water droplets as it started to drizzle. The boy, not phased by the conditions, stood still, staring, watching me as I started to move towards him. The leaves crumpling under every step, I moved closer and closer to where the boy was standing, though he seemed to fade and dissipate into the air, until there was nothing but the hedgerow behind him barren of life, the twigs visible through the murky mist. At that moment, I felt the tingling cold, damp fingertips of a child's hand wrapping around my larger fingers. Like syringes full of dread being injected into my heart, I heard the boy say, Brother has come to play. 
I yanked my hand away and span around as quick as my body allowed, only to be met with nothing but the gloomy grey driveway behind me. Shaken, I made my way back to the comfort of the cottage, pushing what had just happened out of my mind. To my dismay, it lingered there in my mind, even after I closed the front door. Wanting a sense of comfort and security, I made my way back upstairs to my bedroom, still toying with what had just happened, trying to find an explanation. Could it have been a trick of the light, maybe? Or was I exhausted and it was just a hallucination? These questions I pondered as I turned on the lights in my room and wrapped myself in my bed covers, turning on my TV to distract me. After a while, I'd forgotten about the boy and his cold, ice-like touch, enjoying the film playing, its volume not too loud. A light turning on caught my eye. The bathroom door was open and I could see the illuminated room within. I paused my film and climbed off my bed, walking over to the bathroom to turn off the light and close the door. Getting closer, I heard the squeaking sound of a tap turning and then water running. When I entered the bathroom, the cold water tap of the sink was running and the water flowing into the basin and down the drain. Putting it down to a loose connection in the light switch and a bad valve on the tap, I turned off the water and the light, closing the door behind me. That's when I heard the same voice that I heard outside again, but this time from behind my bathroom door. I'm so cold. Won't you help me, brother? It called to me. Scared and a bit shaken now, I ignored the voice and continued back to the comfort and security of my bed. It's just in my imagination, I said to myself, fear flowing through my veins. A light tapping started on my bedroom window, faint and barely audible. Tap, tap, tap. Its rhythm hypnotic to the ears, coaxing me to listen more intently as its sounds became louder and louder. I turned on my TV again to block out the tapping, turning the volume almost all the way up, but still there, still tapping. The tap in my bathroom turned on once again and the light switch flickered up and down, something scratching on the door and scraping at the wooden panels. The bombardment of noises continued and the door to the bathroom flew open. I looked over to the door, the lights flickering on and off. The covers of my bed wrapped around me and over my head. I held them tight. My breathing quickened and my heart pounded in my chest. Then everything stopped. Silence. Looking into the dark bathroom, a figure emerged in a mirror. Blurry at first, but becoming clearer with every passing second. The boy stared at me through the mirror. Getting up, I walked over to the mirror. Following the figure, I placed my hand over his on the surface, and the boy vanished. My hand was cold. The heat from my palm had been drained away. The feeling of ice returned. Then I felt a breath on my ear from behind. Come and play, brother. I froze uncertain what to do. My mind was telling me to run out of my room and to my parents, but my legs wouldn't move. I was stuck in this spot, looking into the mirror. The tap to my bath started running, filling the tub. My legs started moving, but I wasn't in control, and I moved one step at a time towards it. By the time I reached the bath, it was half full, and I felt my body fall to its knees. I was no longer in control. I leaned over the bath, looking into the cold water. I held my breath, and my head was submerged. I don't remember much after that. My father had burst into my room. The bedroom door had been locked, and he found me, my head under the water. He told me afterwards he saw the little boy standing next to me, his pale hands holding me under. He grabbed me and carried me out of the room, the boy's angered face staring at my father as he did so, angered at my father taking me away from joining him. After bringing me round, he placed me in the car and we left, heading to my grandparents for the night. My mother shaken at what had just happened and not knowing what was going on. 
We only returned once more to the cottage during the day to collect our stuff. We sold it soon after. We've never been back since. The events of that evening haunt my memories still. I sleep with my parents whenever there's a cold, stormy night, the boy forever laughing in my mind, and every so often asking me to come back and play with him. So, how is that story for you? Well, I think it kind of uh, breaks into that usual kind of progress of the story starts out and our ghost is outside, kind of spooky, close to home, but not yet breaking down that barrier of, of the feeling of safety we get inside our own homes. Then as it progresses further and you then get the ghost appearing inside the safety of the bedroom, you know, it, it really adds to it to, to break down our presumptions of safety in our own home. Well, while I was doing research about ghosts and stuff like that, there's a lot of presumptions that people who believe in ghosts, that when you go to a haunted place and you mess around with or interact with these spirits, these ghosts, that you don't necessarily have the safety of that when you leave, they're not going to follow you. There's people that say that once you've left these haunted places, that the hauntings follow them. They're it not can... tied to these places, yeah. as, as some people might think. Yeah, it clings to the person themselves. So they might be countries away mm -hmm. and the things are still happening to them. You don't have that sense of security that when you enter your home, you leave that place, that it's space. It's the spirit latches onto your soul. Yeah, and it's it becomes what they call an attachment. It attaches itself to you. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the um, starts of uh, something called possession, when a, a ghost or something else... An ethereal else parasite. ...quite literally takes you over. And I feel like that, for this story, it's your quintessential ghost story with the little Victorian mm -hmm. boy, and it brings you into that little realm of creepiness. And that's where I think this story can kind of take a little bit, uh, little bit of inspiration from me. Those, that bit of research where you're not necessarily safe mm -hmm. when you get home. Well, I think we're dipping our toes at this point. Uh, but without further ado, I think we should move on to the next town. Mate, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you go a in store. Well, you're just about to find out. Tale number two. The Ghost of Oakwood Lane. In the small town of Flixworth, just an hour drive from Manchester in the north of England, lived a group of teenagers who called themselves the EUF, Explorers of the Unknown in Flixworth. The group of four liked to challenge themselves to explore some of the old and ruined buildings which were scattered around the town. The town itself wasn't all that big, only having around 10 to 15,000 people who resided there. So, most people in the town knew each other. It wasn't small enough to leave your back door unlocked, but it was small enough that any recent news or rumours spread like wildfire through the residents, until almost everybody knew. So, when rumours started to spread around town of an abandoned house on Oakwood Lane, the four teenagers couldn't resist getting together after school one Friday and planning to enter and explore the house that weekend. However, what the EUF didn't know was what dark and twisted things happened within the walls of that home, because some things are better left 
unsaid and never repeated. It was 3.30pm, and the school bell had just rung at Flixworth Academy. Jordan, Johnny, Tom and Ellie grabbed their bags from under their desks and shot to their feet, ignoring their teacher's weak cries for, Everyone remain in your seats! You may only leave when I say you can! No sooner, no later! This spiel fell on deaf ears, as almost every student rose quickly from their seat and exited the classroom through the now wide-open door, leaving one Elysia Potts, the class's teacher's pet, as the only pupil still sat in her seat, waiting on the teacher's instructions for her to leave. Oh, whatever, you're all dismissed. The faint response to all his class leaving, barely audible from down the hallway, where the group were as they made their way to their lockers to collect their things before heading home. They all grouped around Johnny's locker as he was gathering the last of his things inside. So, uh, what's the plan after school? Tom asked, needing to text his parents where he'll be until Sunday. We'll head to my house, replied Jordan. We've all got a change of clothes and we'll stay there tonight and come up with our plan for tomorrow. They all agreed with this and nodded their heads in approval. With that, Johnny had collected his belongings from his locker and they all started their walk back to Jordan's house. On their walk to Jordan's house, they passed gossip from around the school, not all of them being in all the same classes together, and in a school, rumours like to spread just as quickly, if not faster, than the ones around town. The rumours ranged from who's getting with who, to some kid in the year below wetting themselves in P.E., to spooky stories and supposedly true tales. So, uh, did you hear about Ben and Emily? asked Johnny. Yeah, but you know he's getting with Lucy in the year above, Ellie responded. Jeez, let's hope Emily doesn't find out, otherwise a bomb is going to go off, exclaimed Tom. They all looked at each other and laughed, imagining the fight that might entail if the rumour was in fact true. The walk back took about 45 minutes as they stopped off at the local shop to pick up snacks, sweets and drinks for later that night. Walking up to the front door, Jordan fumbled his key into the lock as they were all still joking around, turning the lock and opening the door. The long hallway with stairs to the right leading up to the rooms above. They all made their way inside, taking their shoes off as they did so and heading down the hallway through the kitchen and to the conservatory, which acted as their hangout spot. Dropping their bags around the room, Jordan turned on the TV as they relaxed around it, lounging on the couches, trying to regain some energy after being at school all day. So, what's the plan for tomorrow then? Ellie asked, while eating some snacks. Well, you guys know about the abandoned house on Oakwood Lane, quizzed Jordan. Yeah, what about it? replied Tom. Well, that's where we're heading tomorrow, into the abandoned house to have a little explore around and see what we can find, came Jordan's response. So make sure you've got all your head torches. Tom, bring your camera. Also, Ellie, did you bring your voice recorder like I asked? I want to try something new. Yeah, I have, but I don't understand why you wanted me to bring it. What have you got planned? Ellie asked. Her eyebrow raised. You'll all just have to wait until tomorrow. You won't be disappointed, Jordan said confidently. The others were still visibly confused, but they decided not to ask any more questions. Even if they did, Jordan still wouldn't answer them anyway. 
So, for the rest of the evening, the teens continued to hang out in their own room, only leaving it to have dinner with Jordan's family, then returning back to the room from then until they fell asleep. They watched scary films, gossiped about school, and made a rough plan for the next afternoon and how they were going to get into the house. When the rest of his friends had closed their eyes for the night and fallen asleep, Jordan put his earphones in and turned on his phone as he watched videos on YouTube and read articles online, figuring out the details in his mind for the next afternoon. By the time he'd fallen asleep, the birds outside in the tree had just started their morning song. Johnny, Ellie and Tom woke later in the morning as the sun had cleared the hedge at the end of the garden and was now shining through the window into their faces. The trio slowly stirring from their sleeping arrangements, their hands brushing the sleep from their eyes as they rose from under the covers, and still half asleep, exited the room into the kitchen. They were met with Jordan's mum, who offered them a cup of coffee each to help them wake up fully. So, uh, where's Jordan? his mother asked the trio as they were taking the first sips of the freshly brewed coffee. He's still asleep, Mrs. Johnson, replied Ellie, while she tried to hold back a yawn. What time did you all fall asleep last night? Mrs. Johnson asked curiously. Pretty sure we all fell asleep about the same time, about 12, 1am, Tom answered, while looking at the others to back him up. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we all fell asleep at the same time, Ellie replied, backing up Tom's response. I woke up at, like, 2am and saw Jordan on his phone. I don't know what he was doing, but he looked like he wasn't going to sleep any time soon, Johnny chipped in out of nowhere. He was still looking into his cup of coffee, waiting for it to kick in and give him some energy. He looked up and was met with everyone's eyes on him, waiting for him to elaborate a bit more. I don't know what he was doing or what time he fell asleep. I just... Don't think he's going to be awake any time soon, he added, hoping it would satisfy them. Well, in that case, I'll cook you up all some breakfast while you get ready, and hopefully the smell of food will help stir him from his sleep, Mrs. Johnson chimed in, as she opened the fridge and removed a pack of sausages, some bacon and some eggs, ready to start cooking. While she was cooking, the others collected some of their overnight things and started to get ready for the day taking it in turns to use the bathroom and freshen up. All the while, Jordan still slept away. It wasn't until late morning that he started to move and eventually opened his eyes. Plates rustling, chatter from the kitchen, and the lack of his friends in the room caused Jordan to quickly reach for his phone to check the time. Damn it, damn it, damn it, he said to himself, as he quickly swung his legs from under the covers and ran into the kitchen. Uh, sorry, sorry everyone. I'll quickly get changed and then we can start to head out. Annoyed at himself for not waking up sooner. It's okay, there's no rush, Ellie responded, as she took a mouthful of food from her plate. Yeah, just come grab some food and some coffee, Tom added. Yeah, we'll get all our stuff ready after. We've got all day, Johnny contributed. The three of them trying to make him feel a little better for sleeping in. Jordan, taking a sigh of relief, went about getting ready, and then joined his friends at the kitchen table as they chatted about how the rest of the day was going to go. Right, so once we make our way over to the house with our gear, Tom, you'll start recording with your camera. Have you got your spare SD cards and battery in your bag ready? Ellie asked. 
knowing how Tom could sometimes be forgetful if he wasn't reminded. Yes, Ellie, I've got them ready in my bag, he responded lethargically. Happy with his response, she continued. Then we'll find a way into the house. I'm thinking back door so nobody sees us. The others agreed, nodding their heads. Once we're inside, Jordan, you tell us about what you're planning and we'll go from there. Sound like a plan? They all agreed with the plan, and once they had finished breakfast, they got their stuff packed in their backpacks and made their way over to Oakwood Lane. They arrived at 56 Oakwood Lane, the house only having been abandoned for two years, looking in relatively good condition, apart from a few broken glass windows, the overgrown gardens in the front and back, and the ivy growing up the sides of the house. These things all gave the house to the teenagers a bit of a creepy feeling, the house being in stark contrast to the other well-maintained houses in the lane. Well, we're here. Let's try and find a way round into the back garden, Ellie said to the other three. Look over here. There's a broken fence panel, Johnny exclaimed to the others, trying to keep his voice down as best he could, as he didn't want the neighbours to hear him. Right, that's our way in. Jordan, you head through first, and the rest of us will follow, ordered Ellie, keeping the others in line, like a foreman on a construction site. Johnny pulled back the fence panel from the post it had detached from, creating a small gap that the group could fit through. Jordan headed through the gap first, squeezing himself through, breathing in as he did so to allow him to get through. Ellie followed behind him, hopping from one leg to the other as she tried to get her legs over part of the bush that had grown in front of the fence. Tom tried to get through the gap after her, having to take his backpack off and contort his body through the gap, barely getting his backpack through. When the others were all through the gap, it came time for Johnny to try and get through. So, while the other three all pushed on the other side of the fence to open up the gap, Johnny squeezed himself through like the others had. Now, all of them in the back garden, they saw that the lawn was overgrown from years of neglect, the grass coming up to the group's waists as they made their way over to the back door of the abandoned house. The grass flattened behind them as they made a trail from the hole in the fence to the house. Jordan, placing his hand on the handle to the house, turned it, and to his surprise, the door opened. The back door hadn't been locked, as it swung open, showing the group the eerily empty house. This is so strange. It's not like going into the other abandoned buildings we've been in. They were like libraries in the old school building. This was someone's house. People lived here, exclaimed Ellie, as they all looked at each other, questioning if they should step foot inside. Well, we're here now, and nobody's lived in here for two years. It should be fine. Plus, I've got something fun planned for us to do inside, argued Jordan, not really fazed by the fact people used to live in the house. Tom, with his camera now switched on and rolling, looked at the others and nudged them to take the first steps into the home. Well, the camera's rolling now. Might as well film something. With this, Jordan placed his foot into the home, and the others followed, making their way through the utility room and into the abandoned home itself. They walked along the hallway to the front of the house and decided how they would go about exploring the abandoned house, wanting to start at the front and delve deeper. As the group were discussing their plans, they started to argue a little that as Jordan wanted to explore the rooms upstairs, while Ellie and Tom wanted to explore the rooms downstairs, and then make their way up. 
Bang! The group froze as a loud bang rang out through the house. What was that? Tom's eyes wide as he asked the others. I'll go and check. It came from the back of the house, responded Ellie, as she slowly made her way back the way they had come. As she stood in the doorway of the utility room, she was met with the back door closed. She walked over to it as she planned to leave the door open in case they wanted to get out of the house easily. They did this in all the places they explored, as they didn't want to get stuck inside or in case someone came looking around for them snooping. She did as Jordan had done outside, and thinking the breeze through the house had closed the door, she pulled on the handle. But nothing. The door wouldn't budge. No matter how hard she tried, the door wouldn't open. She called out to the others. Johnny! Tom! Jordan! Come here, quick! The guys ran quickly through the house to where Ellie was. What's wrong? Johnny said, a bit out of breath as they sprinted through the house. The door! It won't open! Ellie replied, a bit shaken, not liking being stuck in the house. What do you mean it won't open? It opened easily outside, came Jordan's reply. I mean it won't open. I've tried and it's not budging. Let me try, declared Johnny, making his way over to the door. With all his strength, he pulled on the door, but nothing happened. The door didn't budge an inch. It's sealed shut, came his out-of-breath reply. Right, we need to find a way out of here, now! Ellie demanded to the group, putting her foot down. We need to go through the house, to get out anyway. Let's just explore as we do, Jordan propositioned, looking at the others for a response. All of them, not saying a word, just nodded. So, uh, who's going first? asked Tom, still holding his camera and recording the whole situation. I can't. I have to record from the back. Uh, plus, the light on my camera will light the way for everyone in front of me he added. Well, uh, you know what they say, the safest spot is to go in the middle, so I'm not going first, Johnny, now looking at Jordan, insinuating he should go first. Considering this whole thing was his idea in the first place. Fine, I'll go first, Jordan sighed, turning and looking back into the house. It was looking darker than it did when they first stepped inside just minutes before. Turning on his torch, he pointed it into the L-shaped corridor, with one hallway heading to the left, and the other straight on towards the entranceway. Jordan stepped out into the hallway, taking it slowly as he did, his heart beating in his chest, expecting something or someone to jump out in front of him. The group made it back to the entranceway, with Ellie trying to open the front door, but the same thing happened. It wouldn't open, even with all her strength. Right, I guess we're not getting out this way. The group decided at this point to stay with their original plan of splitting up and exploring the house. However, this time, their main priority was finding a way out. Jordan and Tom decided to explore upstairs, while Ellie and Johnny searched downstairs. They were hoping a window might be open and they could climb out. The air inside the house was thick and suffocating and the darkness seemed to close in on them from all sides. The floorboards creaked under their feet, and the sound echoed through the empty halls. It was as if the house was alive, 
and it was watching them. Jordan and Tom moved through the hallways upstairs in complete silence, their eyes darting back and forth as they searched for any sign of life. But all they found were empty rooms and dusty furniture. They were just about to turn back and leave when they heard a faint whispering coming from the bedroom at the end of the hallway. Tom and Jordan exchanged nervous glances before cautiously making their way along the creaking floorboards towards the bedroom. The darkness was even more intense here. The windows had been boarded up and no sunlight could enter into the room. The only light came from Tom's camera. They entered the bedroom, the two only seeing the shadows of darkness surrounding the light from the camera, until Tom panned it over to the corner. It was then the two froze in place, just staring. Huddled in the corner, there was a figure of a small girl. Uh, who, who is that? stuttered Tom. His camera pointed directly at her, recording the experience. I don't know, whispered Jordan, not knowing what to do. Go over to her, Tom whispered, as he applied a little pressure to Jordan's back, and he pushed him forwards. Are you okay? Do you need any help? asked Jordan, his blood running cold, but his palms sweaty, the hairs on his arms standing on end. The girl looked up from where she was huddled, and her eyes connected with the pair of frozen teenagers standing near the doorway. As soon as she looked up, the little girl lunged towards the two, and at the same moment, the light on the camera switched off, plunging the room back into complete darkness. Jordan and Tom both sprinted back along the hallway and down the stairs, pure fear taking over them as they ran through the house to try and find their friends. As they were running, a blood-curdling scream rang out through the house, sounding as if it was chasing them. Tom and Jordan ran through the downstairs hallway, looking for the light from Ellie and Johnny, just before entering the last room. Johnny walked out of one of the rooms in the hallway, just in front of the speeding pair, causing Jordan and Tom to crash into him, the three of them now laying on the dusty floor. What the hell are you two doing? asked Ellie, confused as to why Jordan and Tom had run into Johnny. You're not going to believe us, said Tom, as he picked himself up off the floor. Wait, I, I filmed it all. A light bulb clicked in his head as he brought up the video on his camera and started to show it to the other two. What the hell is that? Johnny responded, both of their mouths open at what they just watched. Right, we definitely need to find a way out of here, and quick, Ellie told the group. Looking at them, there was no argument. Did you have any luck upstairs? Finding an open window or something? She asked optimistically. Nope. Everywhere was boarded up. There's no way we'll get out upstairs. Plus, I don't want to go back up there. Tom responded. As Jordan was still shocked at what had just happened to them. Well, there's no way to get out of here. Have you been in the basement yet? Jordan chipped in slowly coming out of his shock. No, we, we haven't, said Johnny. Guess we'll have to go check down there. The group slowly made their way to the door to the basement, keeping an eye out for anything looming in the darkness. Opening the basement door, voices started to sound in the room at the end of the hallway. 
Not this again, responded Tom to the sounds. They all quickly and cautiously made their way down the rickety stairs. They were now all stood at the bottom of the stairs, scared to keep going, their light flickering. Slowly, they made their way further into the basement, leaving the safety of the stairs behind. They were now all stood in the centre, surrounded by nothing but darkness and shadows. Ellie, give me your voice recorder. Jordan spoke softly to Ellie, almost in a whisper. What? Why? She replied in the same tone. Just do it! Ellie reached into her backpack and pulled out the recorder from one of the pockets and handed it to Jordan. He turned it on and asked into the darkness with a little stutter in his voice. Is anyone there? Just talk into this thing and we'll be able to hear you. There was a silence after this. Jordan then stopped the recording and listened back. Get out! Followed Jordan's question. The voice sounding like an angry little girl. After hearing this, the group froze. And then suddenly, they all jumped. The door to the basement had slammed shut. Trapped them down there in the darkness. What now? Johnny asked, almost inaudibly. I don't know, Jordan whispered back. The sound of a little girl laughing could be heard all around them, as they all turned to try and find out where it was coming from. Suddenly, the form of a little girl could be seen in the torchlight by the back wall, as the ghost sprinted towards them. The group darted back up the stairs, with Ellie and Tom banging on the door, trying to force it open. The door slowly opened as the figure closed on them, forcing them through the door. A scream came from Jordan as he felt three nails scratching into his arm. It scratched me! The group continued to run towards the entranceway. However, this time, the front door was wide open as the group sprinted through it and back into the outside world. They didn't stop until they were on the road. Turning back, they all watched as the figure of a little girl looked towards them in the doorway and slowly closed the door on them. We are never doing that again, ever, said Ellie, sternly looking at Jordan as they all tried to get their breaths back. They all turned and gathered themselves as they made their way back to Jordan's house with their tails between their legs. The group never returned to 56 Oakwood Lane and it was demolished and replaced with a new house four months later. No one knows if the little girl is still haunting the new house, but the group had no interest in finding out. They continued to explore abandoned buildings, just never gathering the confidence to explore another haunted house. However, Jordan is still trying to convince them to do it again, but this time a bit more prepared for the unexpected. So, what did you think of that story? I got to admit, I really enjoyed that one. That hit every nail on the head for me. I think it really, it took its time. It was a slow burn, but, you know, the tension was, uh, the tension was added to for it. Yeah, it, it, it has the build-up towards it. Like, you get invested in the characters beforehand. You, you're you more involved in it. It's not your stereotypical short ghost story. It's mm-hmm. that one that's going to have a little bit of a build to it. Yeah. And then at the end, it really hits you. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that about that. I also quite like the fact that it's now in a group dynamic 
and that kind of really expands about, upon the fact that although everyone's got their own separate experience of the situation, there's no way that they can now put this to the back of their mind as, oh, you know, I imagined this or, you know, it didn't really happen because it's not just them it happened to. You know, it, it solidifies this event in their lives as a terrifying experience. And I think that's what good ghost stories do is it makes you think, take a step back and think about it. And that's all you can really do when you're writing these stories is get the audience to feel like they're involved in it. And Max... I hope you've had fun around this campfire with me. I these stories. certainly have. And uh, you guys at home, thanks for listening as well. So, thank you so much for listening to us. If you've got any advice for the podcast or ideas for stories, please do email us at paranormalfables at outlook.com. That's paranormalfables at outlook.com. And, uh, yeah, if you want to give this whatever the equivalent on whatever you're listening this to, whatever platform it may be, but... The likes, the subscribes. Yeah, we can um, hopefully get more listeners and we can continue doing this. And uh, we look forward to the next episode. Fantastic. Well, the fire's about to go out, so uh, all that's left to say is good night.